The purpose of this program is not to prescribe a treatment to individuals. Listeners should consult their health care practitioner before attempting any treatment. Good morning and welcome to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host. Today's guest is Dr. Gary Weiner. Dr. Weiner is a former writer and producer for public television who transformed his health through diet and nutrition and was motivated to then change his career and become a naturopathic physician and acupuncturist. In 2001, he co-founded Pearl Natural Health here in downtown Portland. And Dr. Weiner is here today on Health Watch to talk about complementary and natural approaches to inflammatory bowel disease, specifically ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease, and also the program that he has developed at his clinic to serve the inflammatory bowel disease community here in Portland. If you'd like to join the conversation today on Health Watch, the number is 503-231-8187. Welcome back to Health Watch, Dr. Gary Weiner. Uh, thank you, David. Well, let's very briefly just orient our listeners to what inflammatory bowel diseases are. I know that's that's not a short answer, but they're different than other digestive disorders in, in some crucial ways. Uh, the inflammatory bowel diseases are lifelong, often lifelong inflammatory diseases affecting the digestive system called by researchers idiopathic, meaning that the cause is not known. But a lot uh, of people think it, it has an autoimmune component potentially yes, at this point. There are many unknown factors or a combination of factors that appear to trigger the body's immune system produce, to produce uh, an inflammatory reaction in the intestinal tract uh, that continues without control and that results in uh, inflammation of the intestinal wall and damage that leads to uh, diarrhea and abdominal pain that is uh, unbearable and intolerable. And it does, for, for people who, who have Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, there are some long-term risks for their health as well, aren't there? Right. There's a, a high percentage, well, it, it, there's a between 3 and 4% increased risk for colorectal cancers. In children, there are very serious uh, growth development issues in the Crohn's disease. And uh, dangers that can cause hospitalization in those cases that are that that are uncontrolled. And in conventional medicine at this point as you as you mentioned they're not considered to have a known cause. So uh, from a naturopathic perspective what are what are some of the theories around cause for the inflammatory bowel diseases if there are theories? Well, I think the theories uh, of cause really are not specific to naturopathic medicine because uh, conventional medicine and research has isolated uh, suspected causes, which uh, and all the drug therapies are uh, oriented around addressing those causes. Uh, there is no known cause, but there appears to be a uh, a dysbiosis or a an abnormal uh, gut flora that triggers an immune response. Uh, that's one of the areas where research is really focused, although they haven't been able to nail down exactly what that disruption is. Uh, it's not predictable in any way, which is the, the same reason why, you know, the use of probiotics, whether they're going to help inflammatory bowel disease, is not predictable. Oh, uh, it, that's interesting. You started with dysbiosis, an imbalance of, of 
gut bacteria because I, I was just curious what some of the more con, um, cutting edge uh, conventional treatments were these days. And I, I, I went to inflammatory bowel disease on Wikipedia and, and much of it is, is focused on that actually. There's uh, studies on uh, fecal transplantation. There's studies now on probiotics and even on worm therapy for people who have uh, these diseases. So there obviously it seems like the conventional community is really focused also, like the naturopathic community, on the imbalances going on in the in the gut ecology. Absolutely. I mean, the you know, for traditionally, you know, antibiotics. Well, antibiotics are an attempt to get rid of large populations of abnormal bacteria or antifungal medications or antiparasitic. Uh, so we have one, one area of conventional treatment, which is to, to kill abnormal flora. Uh, they're coming on board. Uh, uh, many conventional gastroenterologists are prescribing probiotics now because there are a significant number of cases that improve with them. Um, fecal transplant is really still considered an alternative therapy. There's a, a couple of good studies that are showing that by transplanting uh, uh, feces from a, quote, healthy patient into the uh, colon of a, 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 of a patient suffering from inflammatory bowel disease, that that can re-inoculate, as it were, the abnormal uh, terrain of, of, of flora in a patient, and it's showing that there is some rebalancing uh, that that seems to lead to good outcomes. So, so at your clinic, you've decided to develop a, a program for patients with inflammatory bowel disease. What has inspired you specifically to target a program to this community of patients? Is, is there something unique about uh, this cluster of illnesses that you felt like it needed a, a program to lead people through it? Uh, I think early uh, early treatment, if you go to my website at uh, pearlnaturalhealth.com, you read the story of, uh, of Julia and her son. Uh, Julia now works for us as a, an occupational therapist, treating and helping implement a specific diet for ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease patients. But uh, my early success with, uh, with her son's case uh, and subsequent patients who came from traditional gastroenterology settings hopeless, uh, that there was nothing else to be done when the amino uh, salicylates and the uh, biologics and the steroids weren't working because that is, you know, we have a, a significant number of cases where conventional treatment simply does not address, doesn't work. I mean, there's, there, there certainly are significant number of cases that are well-treated in conventional uh, therapies. But uh, my being able to help these folks uh, who were hopeless with uh, the, uh, the treatments that we offered in our program, in, in, our, in our naturopathic medicine, led me to develop a, a whole program to serve this population. And uh, because we get so many so many patients with ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease who aren't getting anywhere with their conventional therapy. Uh, so, well, we, let, so we did bef that. Before we uh, talk about some of the details of, of what you do w with these patients, what are, uh, what are some of the downsides of the conventional treatment? I know that they're used mostly as for, for management of symptoms and reduction of inflammation, but also they tend to have some 
um, concerns long term that even the conventional doctors on some of the medications like prednisone don't want people on them for long periods of time if possible? Well, the downside is that steroids are very damaging using them long term, and we have so many cases coming our way where that's all that's working. Of course, there are a number of cases where it's not working anymore, where people on high-dose prednisone aren't having control of the inflammation. But it's absolutely unsustainable to stay on these kinds of doses of prednisone long-term, 40 to 60 milligrams. The amino cell uh, salicylates, the the drugs like acicol and uh, uh, pentassa, uh, they don't seem to have a lot of terrible side effects. When they work, it's a good medical solution. The biologics, uh, which are being used now, uh, drugs like Remicade and uh, Humira, have some you know, risks for lymphoma and Lyme disease-like illness that scares a lot of patients, and patients would rather get off of them. And the, immuno, the immunomodulators or the immunosuppressants like azothioprine, which it seems like everybody who comes in is on, um, we're suppressing the immune system, which which has, when they work, it's great for the symptoms and for the mucosa mucosal lining, but uh, we're also suppressing the entire immune system, which leaves people vulnerable to other kinds of illnesses. So, do you have a sense? Have you seen enough people where you have a sense whether you're getting better outcomes when people are doing both conventional and natural treatments together, or doing just the the naturopathic treatments? I don't suggest that people uh, – I think when people use – utilize both wings of medicine in this particular disease that it's a, 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 a good idea and a smart idea. I have uh, certainly positioned my practice in, in such a way that I'm, uh, uh, I'm working with gastroenterologists and we're not trying to necessarily replace therapy based on a, a, a philosophical principle. We're, we're, we're wanting to complement. And when we can provide an alternative, uh, the open-minded gastroenterologists are the first to admit that if this works better, uh, let's do it exclusively. The, I think in, in the average case, we're doing both medicines. And as healing proceeds apace, we're able to successfully taper many of the medications that are being used. Uh, we also, you know, just because symptoms are, are, are relieved with any approach, we also want to make sure with follow-up uh, colonoscopies and studies that actually symptoms aren't just better, but the, the, the surfaces of the intestine are actually healing because we really want to make sure there's no conversion to cancers uh, later on. In case you just tuned in, we're talking today with Dr. Gary Weiner about natural approaches to ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. So let's let's. You mentioned diet, and I'm sure diet diet is a cornerstone of some of the the program that you put people through. What is the diet that, or diets that you you tend to lead people towards who are suffering from inflammatory bowel disease? Well, first and foremost, in any natural treatment plan for these diseases, implementation of a dietary strategy is paramount. The hardest diet, but also the one that seems to be the most successful, is referred to as the specific carbohydrate diet, SCD. Uh, And that's a diet uh, that was popularized uh, through uh, uh, an author, Elaine Gottschall. 
She's and, actually been on Health Watch. Has she? Many years and, ago. And, and I think she – and a book called uh, Breaking the Vicious Cycle. And it's a grain-free diet that is – uh, uh, does not include refined uh, carbohydrates uh, and sugars uh, from uh, conventional sources with the exception of honey. Uh, and, you know, it's really very close to the paleolithic diet that's very popular right now, which is a grain-free diet. Uh, it is very far and apart, far and distant from the conventional American diet. So for patients who are coming off of standard American eating, it is difficult. But it is also – we've got a good study out of the University of Massachusetts now where most of the participants in the study improved greatly with the diet that's worth uh, your listeners uh, uh, looking at. Uh, that's what we we lead people to. Uh, and and this woman, I believe she was a biochemist. And it's interesting about the book is it seems like it's even though the diet's very hard to do, it seems like reading the book is nice because it um, it's very clear the the mechanism of what she's proposing as as a dietary strategy. But it's also interesting because it seems like some things are included that you wouldn't think would be included, and other things aren't because of um, you, she's looking at double molecule sugars as being culprits versus single molecule sugars. So like the, the monosaccharides are okay to eat and the disaccharides are not okay to eat, which sort of led, leads to some, some strange things you don't see in other diets. And, you know, it, it actually, if you read my story on my website of how I came to treat uh, so many people, I, 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 I write about how um, it really, this diet slapped everything I had learned in medical school in the face where you know the diet's very high in animal foods, uh, cultured dairy products and meat, which uh, you and I were taught uh, uh, initially that in, in, in inflammatory diseases we want to stay away from arachidonic acid and sources of animal fat and uh, as well as you know dairy products, which in this diet we have resolution of disease with people focusing on a diet of vegetables, cultured dairy products, and animal fats and food. Uh, so what do you do with people coming in who are vegetarian? Uh, I would imagine that would be a challenging. It's a challenge. Uh, we do our best to still remove uh, grain carbohydrate and uh, uh, these sugars that are incriminated. And, you know, the mechanism of the diet in theory is, of course, to treat the dysbiosis. Uh, to treat the abnormal flora by starving them selectively of the sugars that they require to reproduce. And, and so, what are are there some specific tests that a naturopath does that they wouldn't you wouldn't get from your conventional doctor in terms of uh, an analyzing what a person's gut ecology is like, or otherwise looking at clues on how to individualize treatment? I, I think uh, compared to what's going on in the gastroenterology offices, probably we do more in-depth studies, uh, more complex stool analyses to determine uh, and, and breath tests, uh, small intestine bowel overgrowth tests and stool tests to determine you know, the degree of normal flora and abnormal flora. Uh, I think you'll see uh, gastroenterologists moving more in this direction over time. If there is any small intestinal bowel overgrowth, we want to treat it. If there is any abnormal flora that we can recover in the large intestine, we want to 
treated. And uh, we also do some other kinds of testing, such as looking at the adrenal sufficiency or insufficiency, the adrenal gland hormones, cortisol and DHEA. Uh, we look at intestinal permeability factors to understand the degree to which there might be the so-called gut leaks that can be patched, as well as food allergy testing, because there is significant findings in some studies about the role of intestinal permeability in inflammatory bowel disease. Did you see that article in the New York Times Magazine a week ago? There was a big profile on a woman whose child had juvenile arthritis and ended up um, going off of a whole bunch of foods. In and um, and the article discusses the intestinal permeability issue, which you don't see very often in the mainstream media. There isn't a. If we look at the studies out there, if one does a search uh, on uh, PubMed or just looks at the most recent research, we can't find correlation between treatment of intestinal permeability as naturopaths have always done it uh, and better outcomes. But what we can find is uh, studies that show there's a high degree of permeability in patients with the disease. Uh, it's always something that we treat. Uh, so give us an example. Say, say, say someone comes in, they have Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, and you do some testing on them, and, and not only do they have bacterial uh, imbalances, but they have uh, leaky gut syndrome or increased intestinal permeability. What are, what are some of the things that you would give to treat the intestinal permeability since that's not even entirely um, recognized as something to treat in conventional medicine at this juncture? Well, the, the the core strategy in treating intestinal permeability is is what what we do with the dietary strategy, which is finding the so-called safe list. The hardest thing for an intest for a, a, an IBD patient, uh, intestinal uh, inflammatory bowel disease patient, to do is to go through this laborious process of finding what foods calm the disease down versus what foods aggravate it. And so that's the key to treating intestinal permeability because when immunologic activity, uh, when, when an over-aggravated immune system calms down, that's the, that's the treatment. That's the key treatment. Now, there, there's you know, some uh, benefit from giving gamma arisinol and glutamine and other supplements like that to repair intestinal permeability. But I'll tell you, the most difficult thing with inflammatory bowel disease, and any of your listeners who are suffering from this know what I'm saying, is that supplements and lots of things orally uh, are difficult often to tolerate. And in fact, you know, before we start recommending, you know, take 20 supplements for your inflammatory bowel disease, we have to understand that one has to be very, very careful with what one takes. And the binders and fillers in your common supplements are a big problem. And, you know, certain companies are uh, better and cleaner. Uh, we have to be real careful. And, and, so, and what are some of the other supplements you might have near the top of your list? You mentioned some for permeability and you mentioned probiotics as, as something that would certainly be part of it. Are there any herbs that that 
show up that you might consider using anti-inflammatory herbs or other uh, supplements or not so much? Uh, not so much. Um, uh, well, you know, curcumin sometimes plays a role. We're usually not doing one thing at a time and so it's difficult, you know, to those those kind of double-blind placebo-controlled studies where we have, uh, you know, 100 sufferers and we give uh, 50 of them turmeric and the other a placebo and that's all we're doing so we sure. can really – it doesn't happen. Um, I think, you know, certainly uh, treating the whole of digestion is important in inflammatory bowel disease so that from uh, top to bottom, meaning if we find a problem with digestion at the level of the stomach, then, you know, uh, hydrochloric acid can be helpful. Uh, I have cases where giving hydrochloric acid was the key to turning the case around and getting the medications to work and then ultimately getting a patient off. Why is that? Because by adding the acid that was missing, uh, the digested food at the level of the stomach entered the intestinal tract, uh, the small intestine and then later the large intestine, more properly digested and thus causing less autoimmune activity. At least that would be my proposed mechanism of what was going on. Digestive enzymes can be very helpful. And again, uh, I would guess with your testing that not every person who who came in would need or, or it would be appropriate to give hydrochloric right. acid, that's for right. instance. Uh, we give a do a full study of both uh, stomach, small intestine, and large intestine. Um, something else that's promising, uh, David, is uh, uh, the use of uh, low-dose naltrexone. I don't know if you've done a show on that yet, which is a... Uh, a drug that's compounded by uh, compounding pharmacists often prescribed by naturopathic doctors or holistic medical doctors, which seems to regulate the immune system in various autoimmune diseases in a favorable way to these patients. We're seeing real improvements with a lot of our patients, starting them on a regimen of low-dose naltrexone. Uh, You asked uh, what else we give in terms of supplements, and I think looking at nutritional insufficiencies and deficiencies, uh, there's some good studies on low vitamin D and uh, susceptibility to uh, relapses in uh, ulcerative colitis. And uh, we got to take a close look at what patients aren't absorbing. This is especially true in Crohn's disease where the small intestine is involved. Uh, Ulcerative colitis is supposed to be really uh, isolated to the large intestine, but we're seeing a lot of indeterminate colitis, which is this kind of hybrid mix where it's just not clear how much of the small intestine and the large intestine is is there. Uh, If the very mechanism is inflamed, the, the intestine, which is what absorbs our nutrition from food, if that is impaired, then the, the blood that arrives at the intestine with the nutrients that are needed to heal the intestine, because a, an intestine that is damaged, ulcerated, uh, inflamed, really requires a nutrient-rich blood. Uh, then uh, we've got to make sure that, that the net nutrition is getting in. Sometimes uh, intravenous treatments are the only way to go in the beginning of treatment to deliver uh, vitamins and nutrients to the body so that uh, the nutrient-rich blood can read the intestine. I hope we're not grossing your patients out this morning with all the use of these words. 
Well, I, I was curious actually how receptive the gastroenterologists you're working with are, both with uh, you know using the specific carbohydrate diet, which is definitely not a mainstream diet, and and some of these um, less conventional testing protocols, and then treating off of these results. Do you, do you get some? some pushback and some skepticism from the GI doctors you're working with, or are they mostly curious and, and, um, and collaborative with you? Well, uh, the ones that I work with regularly, and in fact, some of them, uh, actually send patients for, uh, collaborative treatment, uh, uh, are open, uh, when they see increasingly that their patients do, uh, do better. Uh, and on their medications, or they're able to uh, use less of them, there are decreased flares, and more patients in symptomatic uh, remission. I'm on the uh, medical advisory committee of the Northwest Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, and I have an opportunity to speak at uh, events uh, that the foundation sponsors, and actually uh, gastroenterologists are often present. And uh, I have a, a nice working relationship with with many of them, and, and the ones that are skeptical, uh, uh, if we look at their research uh, in the mainstream journals, they are quite clear increasingly, and if we look at citations from the year 2012, 13, that diet seems to play a role. It's just that nobody can put their finger on it. And I would say to your listeners, too, that even though we have specific strategies, it's not the same strategy for every patient. We have patients who don't do something as rigorous as Elaine Gottschall's specific carbohydrate diet that are still in symptomatic remission. Uh, there are patients who, who, who do various, uh, various kinds of diets. Uh, all of them are better than the standard American diet. Some of them have more or less grain, more or less refined carbohydrate. I think the key is, you know, for a patient to to understand that diet does matter, despite what they may have been told by some professionals. Even the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation in their literature is now saying diet appears to matter in the manifestation. I think it's, it's not a cure. So uh, let's, uh, let's finish the program by, um, if you have some contact information, maybe we have some listeners who might want to know more details about the program, how long it takes, and and uh, what it involves, and they could contact your clinic and sure. find out more. I can be uh, my, my uh, our clinic phone number at Pearl Natural Health is five zero three two three zero eight nine seven three, and you can find us on the web at www.pearlnaturalhealth.com. Go to the program tab to the complementary care for inflammatory bowel disease tab, and you'll find many pages describing uh, the work that we do and the services in helping to implement uh, the specific carbohydrate diet. It was great having you back on Health Watch today, Dr. Weiner. Thank you for having me. We were talking today with Dr. Gary Weiner about natural approaches to ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. Stay tuned for the rest of the Monday morning radio zine.